Uh, you might like to turn your Bibles to Romans 2, verse 5, as we continue. But I'm going to start with something a bit controversial, I thought. Uh, here we go. It's been all over the news this week. Trump has been indicted. And it's generating a lot of emotion, isn't it? A lot of strong responses from people. Why do people care so much about Trump being indicted? Well, there's two sides, isn't there? There's those who feel like, how has he got away with so much for so long? And finally, something's being done about it and he's being held to account. There's people who feel like justice has been up in the air and it hasn't, hasn't been able to be resolved. There's people crying out for someone, do something. But on the other hand, there are those who see this as it's not actually an execution of justice, but as a miscarriage of justice. Those who see this as the justice system being twisted uh, for other ends. Either way, both people are unhappy with the system of justice, aren't they? They're those who think it's not working and hasn't done anything yet. Justice has been delayed. And then there's those who are thinking it's being misused for injustice, for political purposes or to cast dispersions or to or those who are using their power inappropriately. And this gets on our nerve from both sides, doesn't it? Justice that's not done rightly. It's not done well. You see, we long for justice. And we know when, there's, when it's missing that there's something wrong. Things are not going as they should be. And we don't just long for another judge to have a look at things, do we? A grand jury. We don't just long for that. We long for true justice, pure justice. A justice that can't be corrupted by human agendas, by favoritism, by bias. We're sick of partial justice and injustice and delayed justice. Something in us is crying out for that. And today, as we continue reading Romans, Paul, he's still unpacking the problem, he's, that is, he's still trying to help his readers understand why they need the solution of the gospel. In verse 18 of chapter 1, he reminded them that the wrath of God is being revealed. That's a problem. God's angry with humanity and that's playing out in the way that he's letting humanity dwell in sin and its consequences. And we've read some of that in chapter 1. We worked through it. And last week, we were reminded that just because you can see a problem in someone else doesn't mean that things are all right with you. Being judgmental and projecting the problem out there doesn't resolve things with your heart. doesn't mean you are right in God's sight. And today, Paul goes on and expands on this to, to remind his readers that righteous judgment is coming. True, pure judgment will be revealed. That's what we are 
we're going to be looking at today. Righteous Reveal, that's our series. And today, that's going to be hard to read. Uh, we're, not having, we're not having a good day with the technology, are we? <laughs> let, me translate to, let me translate for you. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile but glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, do, do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts and their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secret thoughts, uh, secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Here we see Paul is promising there will be a day when true justice, pure justice will come. When God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It's coming. And this is a day, it's a day of justice done properly, isn't it? It's not a day when there's going to be hidden agendas driving things. When there's going to be bias causing judgment to lean to one side or the other. No, we're told God will repay each person according to what they have done. There's a direct correspondence. What someone does leads to how they will be repaid. Verse 11, God does not show favoritism. God will do this in a way that's fair. As fed up as we become with, as we get with our justice systems that can never manage to get it right all the time, our God in his judgment can be trusted to do it properly. And what will this mean? It will mean consequences for good and for bad. Uh, in the positive way, there's, there's good outcomes, isn't there, to those who seek good, those who persist at doing good. God will give eternal life 
but to those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth, who follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger, trouble and distress for every human being that does evil. For the good and the bad, there's consequences coming. And Paul here divides it pretty cleanly in two, doesn't he? There's the positive consequences and there's the negative consequences. And it's kind of really setting up a split into two groups, which corresponds with other things in the Bible we've seen. Jesus talked about dividing the sheep and the goats, those who did good and those who do evil. And this isn't done with favoritism. For every human being, every single one will face this, Jews and Gentiles. And so Paul is is explaining this as a warning to his readers. Those who do sin, he's just... Just pointed that out in, in the beginning of chapter 2, 1 to 4. If you think you're, the sin's just out there, if you're thinking just judgmentally, you fall into the trap and you won't escape God's judgment. Sin isn't just an out there problem, it's an everyone problem. God's kindness and patience with you in the meantime is intended to lead you towards repentance. And so he's warning them, don't be stuck in stubbornness and unrepentance. Don't persist in it because you're storing up wrath for that final day. Now, this is kind of it's directly the opposite, isn't it, of storing up treasure in heaven, storing up wrath from God. He's saying, now is the time to change what's going on. Now is the time, particularly, for repentance. To turn away from those sinful ways of living. He warns his readers, God's righteous judgment is coming. Don't persist in your unrepentant ways. Now, as we we read this here, and as we see Paul explaining the consequences, do good, eternal life. Do evil, God's wrath and anger. That sounds a bit different to what we usually talk about, doesn't it? Because what we usually talk about when we explain the gospel, when we, when I preach up the front is, we do evil, we all do evil, we all sin. And we come to Jesus with repentance and faith and he forgives us. And we don't get what that trajectory deserves. Is, is Paul somehow, has he changed his mind? Is he explaining a different gospel here? Well, I want to say no, because he's actually, this is only one small part of his big explanation of the gospel. 
And he's still at the stage where he's explaining the problem, where he's explaining the need for the gospel. He's at the stage where he's explaining this is the natural setup. Before God, you are either going to be righteous or unrighteous in his sight. This is the system. Those who do good get eternal life. Those who do evil get wrath. And as we go on, we see very clearly that he wants all his readers to understand that they are not in the good-seeking life category. That's not where they naturally sit. That's not the trajectory they are on. They are on the trajectory towards God's anger. And so as, as we get through and as we continue to read, we'll move through. This is not a different gospel. It's just setting up for what's coming next. And we have to wait, unfortunately, until chapter 3, verse 21. It's quite a long way until the big, but here's the good news section. But having, having heard the gospel before, we know. And so I don't want you to be confused. Paul isn't saying here, He's not saying to his readers, work harder and get good and then you'll end up earning eternal life. That's not possible and that's part of what he's unpacking. But he, he wants to explain clearly that judgment day is coming. We need to get this clear in our minds. Sometimes we act like it's not true. Sometimes we act like this world is all there is, don't we? It's, it's easy to live like that. Like the justices in the here and now are all we need to worry about. As long as we don't break the law and offend a police officer. As long as we can kind of get on with life without causing too much reaction, causing other people to want to repay us for what we've done, as long as we can kind of keep on the okay and smooth with that, then things are okay. Certainly that's the way our world thinks. There's, you live and you get the most out of life and you try and do as best you can to make it as smooth as possible and at the end it's the end. But that's not what the Bible says. It's not what Paul says. God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And not just will it be revealed, but God's righteous judgment will be revealing. It will reveal. That's the second half of the passage where Paul explains that when God judges, his judgment is going to go beyond just looking from the outside. And so his readers need to get this through their heads. Even if you think you've got it all right on the outside, if you think you look righteous in front of other people, if you think you've got a good reputation, if you think it holds up to public opinion, that's not enough when it comes to God's righteous judgment because his righteous judgment 
will reveal what is hidden. So particularly for the Jews who might have said, oh, we have the law, God's righteous, righteousness codified. We have this. We're privileged. Doesn't this give us a special position? No, Paul says. There's no security in sin and there's no security in the law, in the outward appearance of things going well. Because, what does he say? All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. So if you don't have the law, it doesn't make you in a good position, does it? But all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. So as a sinner, whichever category you're in still leads to God's judgment. It's not those who hear the law, verse 13, who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. It's those who do what it says who will get the commendation from God and saying, well done good and faithful servant, who will be vindicated on that day of judgment, shown to have lived a life that is worthy, those who have obeyed the law. Now, am I just going back on what I said? Is, is Paul here saying that you can, you can be declared righteous by works of the law? If you're good enough, if you tick all the boxes, that you'll you'll be declared right in God's sight? Well, no. And jumping ahead again, chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. It's kind of it's, it's theoretically possible, but it's not practically possible for sinners. It's the way God designs for righteousness to be lived. But no sinner can do it. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, Paul says. So he's he's still setting up the framework for how God will judge right and wrong. It's not just being in the category of those who have the law, and you can walk around with a smarmy attitude going, oh, we've got the law. We're right. We listen to it every, every, every Sabbath. We get it read out. We get taught it from infancy. We re- memorize portions of it. Paul says, doesn't matter. God sees through the external to the internal. You can't just hear it. It's got to be transforming the inside into perfect obedience. And even to illustrate this, he shows the Gentiles who don't have the law, here's the other theoretical possibility. What about if them, by their consciences, if they do the things that the law says to do, aren't they just like, Aren't they just as good as someone who has the law and doesn't? 
they show that the right requirements of the law are written on their hearts. And their consciences bear witness and their thoughts sometimes accuse them, but sometimes defend them. It says you don't even have to have the law to be able to do what's right. Again, it's theoretically possible, but it's not practically possible for sinful humans. No one, no Gentile without the law has ever lived perfectly and been right in God's sight. But Paul, he keeps driving into this. It's not these extra things on the outside that you can cling to. It's the internal. The heart that's obedient to God. And God's judgment will reveal what is inward and what is hidden and what is secret on that day. This will take place, verse 16, on the day when God judges people's secrets. God sees through everything to the secrets of our hearts. And his judgment day will reveal them. We love secrets being revealed, don't we? It's one of the things we like about grand juries, about royal commissions, that they investigate and they expose elements of the truth. There's a sense in which we like secrets being revealed. We have the paparazzi that exposes celebrity secrets through photos and puts them on the front pages of the newspapers. But there comes a point, doesn't it, when when we're uncomfortable with secrets being revealed. And that's when it's us, isn't it? That's why it's been such a big problem recently with all the data leaks that have happened, exposing people's secret private information. We don't like it. We don't like it when it's us. Uh, Jesus himself said this. This is the verdict, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. For sinful human beings, we like to be able to keep our secrets hidden. So God's judgment day when he will judge righteously and when he will reveal our secrets, that's a problem for sinful human beings. We can't hide sin from God. You might be able to hide sin from your colleagues at work. You might be able to hide sin from your friends. If you are working hard enough, you might be able to hide sin from your spouse. And sometimes people are even deluded enough to hide sin from themselves. but you cannot hide sin from God. Whatever it is, he sees it. Friends, you need to know this. We need to know the reality of our problem of sin in light of God's judgment. The day is coming when he will call everything to account. And he will judge our secrets through Jesus Christ. And all the evil that you have done 
and that I have done. Every loose word that you have spoken, slandering someone else. Every thought of revenge that you have harbored in your heart. Every greedy dream that you've just built up into a lust in your mind. God sees it all. And he will judge in light of it. We cannot think that just because we've got the outside under control, it's going to be right with God. He won't just look at people's Facebook account and go, whoa, your life looks pretty nice, pretty shiny. He looks right to the heart. You cannot hide from God. Friends, we need to know this because, to kind of jump ahead, this is the knowledge that needs to drive us to Jesus. When we know our problem of not being able to hide our sinfulness from God, of not being righteous in His sight, of not being able to deserve, well done, good and faithful servant on that day. We need to be able to made, be made righteous in some other way. We need the good news of the gospel that Paul is unpacking here, that he's getting his readers ready for. We need the righteousness of God that's revealed in the gospel, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, not by works. We need this good news of God declaring people right. Who? Well, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not everyone under the law. Not everyone who can present a good image publicly. Not everyone who's good at deceiving people around them about their sin. Everyone who believes. That's good news, isn't it? Knowing your thoughts, me knowing my thoughts, knowing I can't hide them from God, knowing the hope of Jesus. We don't have to. God sees our problem and he provides the solution. He provides the righteousness. I thought uh, to finish the sermon, I would lead us in prayer using the words of David in Psalm 139. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. 
you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 